One of my favorite movies, maybe it's yours too, The Christmas Story, A Christmas Story. I, I think TNT or TBS, one of those Turner stations, plays it 24 hours a day, like Chris, Christmas Eve, so they, they, it's just on a continual loop of The Christmas Story. One of my favorite scenes, even though it's full of lines, it's full of scenes, and it's quotable, and you may be even saying something in your head right now, Ralphie! You know, you might be quoting something from the movie even now, but one of my very favorite <laughs> scenes is when uh, Ralphie finally gets fed up with the bully, right? And, <laughs> and, and he just attacks the bully in the alley, and he just starts wailing on the bully. And echoes of his father start ringing into his head, and he starts speaking out the things that he's heard his dad say over the years as he's beating this little kid to a pulp, or this big kid to a pulp, and, and you know, the, the other kids try to pull him off, and they try to grab him, and he's just out of his mind at this point, you know, and it, it's really a kind of a sad thing, because he, finally his mom, or his little brother goes and gets the mom, and the mom comes and grabs him, and he doesn't even recognize her for a moment, it looks like he's going to swing on her, and, and he's just out, out of his mind, but he's spewing these profanities that he's heard from his dad um, over and over and over again as he's beating this little kid. And when he, when he finally gets home, and they get him home, and he gets cleaned up and everything, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, usually he's waiting for his imminent doom, um, but he has to, you remember, he has to take the Life Boy soap and put it in his mouth and hold it in his mouth. And then he gives up his friend because he doesn't know how to give up his dad for learning those words from his friend, and the friend you hear on the other side of the phone, you know, he's getting beat probably by the phone. <laughs> That's what it sounds like anyway. But Ralphie has to, you know, sit there and hold on to the Life Boy soap, the bar of soap in his mouth, because, you know, if you say something like that, you've got to wash your mouth out, right? You've got to, you've got to wash your mouth out. You know, there are many four-letter words that we were taught to stay away from as followers of Jesus in the church. Maybe your parents taught you to stay away from followers of Jesus. These words make us cringe. You know, they have some level of power as well. They, they have lots of meaning, these four-letter words. Words like luck has a lot of meaning. There's a lot of, there's a lot of power behind that. There's a lot of, if, depending on what you're asking for, luck for, right? It, it could have these life-altering, life-changing effects in a person's life. Words hold uh, like fear holds tremendous power. That's another four-letter word that's, that holds tremendous power. Words, how about a word like stop? I mean, that has all sorts of meaning. It has all sorts of power. Hope is another four-letter word that has power. But the topic for today is what I believe the most powerful four-letter word that we'll ever say and that we'll ever receive. And that word is love. That word is love. This is the season of Advent, and if that's unfamiliar to you, it's a time in a Christian calendar um, when we, uh, it's the, actually the beginning of the Christian calendar. It's uh, Advent, stands for Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And so we celebrate as followers of Jesus in the church, we celebrate the arrival of our coming King, Christ Jesus, and his birth that we celebrate over the season, and each week, there are five weeks, each week leading up to that, um, we've discussed a different topic, and so that's what the candles mean up here in the front, that's what this <coughs> beautiful display um, represents, the first week of Advent, we talked about hope, and how we can have hope, the next week we talked about joy, 
or excuse me, peace, I, I apologize. We talked about peace and the, what the arrival of Jesus means in, in the area of peace in our lives. And then we talked about joy last week. And then this week we're going to light the candle for love. It reminds us each week as we come in here that these all are the, uh, the implications of Christ's coming. That we can, and I want, you, I want you to grab onto this. I want you to grab onto this. Sometimes it's, it's, the Bible says that it's the most simple things that profounds the wise. It's the most simple things. And so we, we can overlook some of these things like hope and peace and joy and love. But these candles serve as a reminder and it has a way to impact us deeply. Like what would it mean for you this morning to have hope? What would it mean to experience peace today or to have joy? What would it mean for you to receive love today? That's what the candles remind us of and they represent for us this morning. Um, here's the, here's the, the phrase that I use around love, and we, and we did this this morning in the Grow Group for Living Sacrificially. Love that's not lived is not love at all. Love that's not expressed is not, it's not really love. That's, that's more like good wishes or goodwill for someone. Um, but if there's no action accompanying that, I don't believe that that's, that's, a, that's a true reflection of love, and especially the love of Jesus. So if you have a Bible and you wouldn't mind turning with me, we are going to be in John chapter 15. This, the series title, I don't know that I've mentioned it, uh, Vince might have the first week, but the series title is The Heart Has Found a Home. The Heart Has Found a Home, and it's been just a journey through the Gospel of John. If you have that sermon outline there in front of you, um, you would see down on the bottom of that there's an, there's an opportunity that you could go on a website and find a devotional that might follow that would follow along with what we're talking about here. But in John chapter 15, there's a powerful passage about the love that's realized in the life of Jesus, the birth and life of Jesus, the love that is realized. John 15, and I'll have the verses on the screen behind me. Um, we also have Wi-Fi. I uh, almost didn't mention that. We have Wi-Fi, so if you use a phone or a tablet, um, you can follow along that way. In John 15, verse 9, it says this. These are the words of Jesus, hence the red letters. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. All right, let's invite the Holy Spirit into that. Holy Spirit, just come. Just allow us to just soak in that for just a moment. I just pray against any schemes and attacks of the enemy that might cause distraction. But you really got to get this. Let me just say it again. Allow the Holy Spirit to open your ears and the heart right now. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. It's really important to feel loved right now. All right, let's continue. Verse 10 says this, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. That's important, right? That's good. Because we don't want love to be just sort of a momentary thing. We don't want it to be just a, uh, a flash in the pan, if you will. We want it to be a lasting experience. We want it to be something that, that continues to provide for us. And so it's extremely helpful and important that Jesus tells us how to stay in that. How to stay in that. So if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Let's keep going. 
I've told you this so that my joy, say joy, all right, so that my joy, Jesus has joy, got it? That's good. That's good. Jesus has joy. So that my joy um, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Continuing on. Love each other as I have loved you. Um, I want to keep going here at this. Let me see here. Greater love has no one than this to lay, his, lay down one's life for one's friends. Man, that's powerful, right? That is so powerful. All right, so if you're following along on your outline, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the digs, here's where we're going. Living in a reality, or, or what are the implications of Jesus coming? What are the implications in love? First off, the love of Jesus is unconditional. The love of Jesus is unconditional. Man, that is so powerful. I spent some time in prayer this week, and I, I really couldn't get it nailed down. I just, I just got to tell you, I just couldn't get one thing nailed down, one thought nailed down to share with you. But I pondered that scripture that said that where Jesus says, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. And I just let that sort of stay in my mind and stay in my heart. And I, and I asked questions and reflected, what does that mean? Like, how did God love Jesus? That's really important because Jesus says, that's how I love you. So how did God love Jesus? And I, I really couldn't quite nail it down. I couldn't quite nail it down. I, I mean, I know that it's, that it's, it's powerful. I, I know that it's palpable. I know that it's, uh, it's life-altering and shaping. It's identity-forming. But I landed on, I know that it was unconditional. I know that it's unconditional. I know that the love that God has for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for us is unconditional. There's no pre-qualifying. There's no pre-qualifying. And I realize, guys, I realize, some of you have been in church for decades, and you're going, huh, this isn't new. But I think it's those things that have to, like, penetrate into our hearts. I think it's those simple concepts of, there's no qualifying, pre-qualifying, and maybe you're here this morning for the, hearing this for the very first time. Because you had to earn someone's love. You had to earn someone's love. And so you know what that's like. And you have felt the sting of somebody pulling that love back from you because you disappointed them. You failed them. And we take those experiences and then we lay it over the top of a relationship with Jesus. And we say, well, surely that's how he must be. But we need the light and the truth of the gospel, the good news to say it's not. It's not. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn Jesus' love. And if there's nothing that you and I could do to earn it, that means there's nothing that you and I could do to lose it. Because you didn't gain it in the first place. You didn't qualify for it. Neither did I. You, didn't, you, didn't, you weren't the star student, the star pupil, the one that read the best Won the spelling bee, the fastest, the, you know, the, the best looking. That was, yeah, that's not what qualified you for the love of Jesus. Now, you may be lots of those things. But that's not what qualified you for the love of Jesus. 
And you can't disappoint him enough to make him pull it back from you. See, these are simple truths, but they're so powerful. They're so important. It doesn't matter how many times that you've heard that, you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. I find that especially true, which is interesting, in the holidays. Because what I hear very often from people close to me is how they feel like they're failing as a person, as a spouse, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father. We think about Christmas, we think about the holidays, we think about what we're not going to be able to get for our kids, and somehow we've let them down. What we're not going to be able to do because of the limitations of our finances, what we're not going to be able to provide. And, and the enemy is right there, guys, right there to jump on that and say, yeah, you're a failure. You're a failure. And I just want to say to you, with all the love in my heart, that is not true. That is not true. And the love of Jesus proves that, and the Scripture bears that out, that as God loved Jesus, He loves you. We live in a world of broken promises, full of broken promises. I mean, we're, we're so suspicious as a people. I'm so suspicious as a person. We had, I thought, was just a fantastic discussion. Yes, we did talk in the men's group. I know that's, that's like a foreign concept to some of you, that men actually talk, but they did. And in, in our men's group on Thursday morning that meets at 6.30 down in the basement, and we talked about this. We talked about how we're so suspicious and, uh, of receiving something. And we've often talked through this sermon series about how each aspect of the Advent season that we've highlighted is really a gift. It's really a gift, that hope is a gift, that peace is a gift, that joy is a gift, certainly love is a gift, and we talked about how we're suspicious of receiving something because there's always, always a string attached. There's always fine print. There's always something that's got to be read, acknowledged, um, understood when receiving a particular gift. So again, as we lay that experience over the top of receiving the love of Jesus, we, we can receive it so much, and then we go, but the other shoe's got to drop sometime. Like, and, then, and, and we think about those things in, in terms of the things that we've done. Well, Jesus loves me, but when he finds out about this, that'll probably run out. That'll probably be the limitation of that. There are no limitations to the love of Jesus. There's no condition for you to receive it. There's no limitations on it. And I thought, and I don't see him in here this morning, but I thought my, my friend Dale had a great um, just thought uh, that morning in men's group when he talked about how, um, how we qualify, if you will, for gifts from Santa. Right? So you, you either go to one side of the ledger, ledger or the other. What are they? Naughty and nice. Okay? And this gets drilled into us <laughs> at a very early age. It gets drilled into kids at a very early age. It's overall culture. I'm not saying you necessarily do that. I'm just saying culturally. That just sort of gets drilled in. So if, if you are nice, then what? Come on. You get a gift. You get a present, right? You get a present. You get a gift. But if you are naughty, you get coal. You get coal, right? 
So that, that gets drilled into our spirits. And, and, and even that becomes a framework for how we see gifts. But, and as we talk about the love of Jesus being a gift, we go, well, I've been naughty. Like, I've not been a very nice person. I've said, whatever we, however we qualify that, however, however we describe that, we say, well, that's how I've been. So I must not be good enough for Jesus' love. Because I haven't been nice, so I can expect to have coal in my stocking. It's just not true. It's just not true. Oftentimes, another synonym that we use for the word naughty is dirty. It's dirty. When we think about uh, things that we don't want someone to find out, we call them dirty little secrets. When the paparazzi comes to haunt the celebrity to get the photograph, they are digging up dirt. Dirt. They're digging up dirt. So we think of ourselves, even if we might not say it out loud because it might not be language that we use, but we begin to think of ourselves as being dirty. And then, come on, and then what happens in the transitions in our thinking, the way that this evolves in it's the shame factor then comes in. If I am dirty, then shame follows that and guilt follows that. And I am no better than dirt. I am no better than dirt. That's the way that thinking goes. That's the way that logic follows. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you some good news. I want to tell you something really good this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he cast the stars. And I'm not going to go through everything, but he, in all of his creation, he said, this is good. This is good. This is good. And then it comes to the point of God wanting to find or wanting to create a receptacle for his love. What does he do? Come on. He bends down into the dirt. And he formed it. And he kissed it. God kissed the dirt. So even if you feel dirty this morning, even if you felt like dirt this morning, I want you to know that you serve, you love, you worship a God that kisses the dirt. Now, you're not dirt, but God kissed that. I know that because he breathed life. The scripture says that he breathed life into his nostrils. He breathed the very breath. I want you to imagine right now being close enough to someone, to something, to actually breathe breath out of your own mouth into that being. How close you would have to be. And you're breathing breath into that. That's how God feels about you. That's how he feels about me. I love that. I love that. Don't ever let someone or some being or some idea convince you that you are disqualified for Jesus' love because you are dirt. Because God loves the dirt. He loves the dirt. And he breathes life into it. And that's what he does. 
That's what he does. He breathed life. He kissed the ground. He kissed the earth. When Jesus was born, that's what was happening. Emmanuel, we sang about it this morning. You know what that means, many of you. God with us. God among us. God through us. He kissed the earth. In the birth of Jesus. He kissed the earth. In the death of Jesus. Hung on a cross. Lifted high. And then buried in a tomb. He kissed the earth. Bringing new life. Into dirt. That's what happened folks. That's what he did. That's what he did. And his love is unconditional. We celebrate that this morning. We love it. We get it. We're following the scripture for it. As God loved me, Jesus says, I love you. And then transitioning really quickly. Transitioning to that next thought. Because it is so amazing. Because it is so powerful. It is so overwhelming. It is so transformational. The love of God. The love of Christ in my life. Covering every bit of me. He says this now. To remain in that. To remain in that. Because I want you. Because I love you. Because I want you to remain in that. What you need to do is to follow my commands. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love. You will have my love realized in your life. Second blank there in your outline says this. We realize his love as we live in it. We realize this love is then, it's, don't get it twisted. It's not taken away from us. It's not pulled back from us. But I can not live in the fullness of awareness of that. Which, by the way, when we say come Holy Spirit in these settings, what we're saying, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit isn't here. We're just saying make us aware of your presence. Make us aware of your Holy Spirit. So there is a spot where we can have the love of Jesus, but not even be aware of it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to remain in this, if you want to remain in this constant awareness of my love, follow my commands. And we realize His love as we live in it. This is one of those very important action-required promises. The love given to us is unconditional. There's nothing you can do to receive it. There's nothing you or earn it. There's nothing you can do to lose it. But to remain in that is an action-required promise. You'll become aware and you'll become ever-increasingly aware of of my love as you live in it, Jesus says, and you live in it by doing what I command. By doing what I command. So I have a little illustration that I use that I, I just sort of use for this. And this is the way I think of this. I'm kind of a simple guy. But this is the way that I think about it. So living in the love of Jesus... It's like standing under an umbrella. As I'm living in the love of Jesus, for those of you that are superstitious, I think it's okay to open an umbrella inside. I know somebody was thinking it. We're, we're in a church. The, the, grace, the grace of God covers all of that. It's okay. 
throw salt over your shoulder, whatever you have to do to get over it, but it'll be all right. So I'm, 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 I'm using this as an illustration, just a visual. This is what it might look like to remain in the love of Jesus, to remain under the covering of the love of Jesus, becoming fully aware of that. Now, what do I have? What does this thing do? What does this thing do? The primary purpose of an umbrella is to protect. It is. It's to protect, whether that's from the rain or it could be from the sun. Some particular element, it's there to protect me. This umbrella serves as just a really maybe crude illustration of the love of Jesus, is that I stay under it, I stay protected. I stay protected. I'm, I'm doing what he's commanding me to do. I'm living in his love. I'm staying submitted to him. I'm becoming fully and more fully aware of his love and his presence. But if I can stay under it, I can also step out from underneath it. And then if I've stepped out from underneath it, what have I done? I am now exposed. I'm now exposed. I'm exposed to the elements that might have afforded or did afford protection underneath the covering, right? Is that how, I mean, does that make sense at all? It's just a visual, just one of those things. Sometimes, again, it's those simple things that just serve. So to stay underneath or to stay in the covering, to live in the love of Jesus is to do what he says. And we find out what he says through Scripture, through community, like mentoring, someone mentoring you in faith, and prayer. Jesus, what are you saying to me to do today? What are you telling me to do? I want to remain in your love. I want to stay in the protection of your love. I don't want to be out here. And here's what I felt like as I was preparing this message this morning, and I knew that I was going to do this. I felt like some of you might feel like this. Like you're not just somewhere near Jesus' love. You're like over here, and his love is over there. Like you feel so far and so disconnected from Jesus and his love that it's, we're that far away. Now that may be how it feels, but the reality is we're as close as our next breath. We're as close as our next prayer, saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me for not doing what you said. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to receive your love, to realize his love, to become more and more and more aware of his love, to remain in his love the way that he says it, is to do what he says, is to follow him. There's a phrase that's become popular, and I think it's helpful, and certainly scripture, about the way that we think about Jesus and the relationship with Jesus as being friend. And I think that's important. I think it is important as we think about friendship and we think about the aspects of what friendship are. And we, we all certainly could think about what would we want in a friend. I mean, what are the good things about friendship? And, and we can find those things in this relationship with Jesus. But one thing that we can never, ever, ever lose in our pursuit of friendship with Jesus is the reality that He is Lord. He is Savior. He is Lord. And as the 
phrase goes, the quote goes, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And that's one of those places where we've got to We've got to soften, we've got to, we've got to understand, we've got to, we've got to come to this place of, Jesus, I, w- I want your love, I want to remain in your love, teach me your ways, teach me, you know, that, that becomes the heart of the disciple. Teach me your ways, teach me how to walk in your ways, teach me how to do what you say. You are the Lord, and I want to follow you. Finally, as with any gift that comes from above, It's always meant to be shared as well as enjoyed. So we live in the love of Jesus to love others. Live in the love of Jesus to love others. And he says it specifically here. Greater love, verse 13, chapter 9. Greater love has no one, or greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants but a ser- because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. And then finally he says in verse 17, after he says the reason I'm telling you this is so that you can go forth and you can bear good fruit in verse 17, he says this. Now this is my command. Now remember from the very outset in verse 9 and 10, he says you will remain in my love if you do what I command. And he caps it with this in verse 17. Now this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Don't miss that. Don't miss that because it's a really important truth to remaining in the love of Jesus. To remaining in that, to growing in that, to becoming more and more aware of that. Do what I command, Jesus says. You will remain in my love as you do what I command. And then he says, and this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. But I just want to say to you this morning, the type of love that Jesus is talking about is not a love that originates within you or me. The type of love that Jesus is talking about is a gift from Him into me, out to you. As my identity is being restored, as I'm coming into greater awareness of His love for me, That then empowers me to love others. That then empowers me to love others. Know this, the gifts of God are always, always to enjoy and to share. And there's actually enjoying in the sharing, which is kind of cool. So we're enjoying and we're sharing. Now, something that we've talked about a lot, you know, let's define what is love. Love is... As our friend Dallas Willard, who's passed away, says, love is to will the good of another. Love is to will the good of another. The definition that I use is similar to that. It just, I think it maybe details it out a little bit better for me. Love is to want the very best for another person and then a willingness to participate to that end. And we're talking about the very best. The very best for a person. Last week as we talked about joy and the water being turned to wine, the master of the ceremony says, this is the very best. It's the very best. The love of Jesus is the very best. So what I want, 
for you and for me in my life is to experience and to walk in and to fully develop in the love of Jesus. Because it's the well that doesn't go dry. There's no end to it. And as we grow and as we experience different things, we experience Him differently and it causes us to want more and more and more and more and more. Since it's the holiday season, is there a particular treat that you have around the holiday season that you just can't get enough of? Devil, deviled eggs. Hey, you need to meet me after the service. <laughs> yeah, see, that's where I'm at. See, I, I'm like that. I started with the puppy chow stuff. Yeah, and that's where I kind of started, but then I transitioned, and then I went to the almond bark pretzels. Those are good. Those are good. And then I kind of transitioned to the, those Oreo truffle things, truffle balls things. Those are amazing. I've eaten myself sick more than once on those. And now I'm kind of in the place where my wife makes this amazing Ritz cracker thing with peanut butter in the middle and dip that in chocolate. Jesus! I'm telling you. I'm t I think he kisses everyone. They're awesome. They're awesome. I love them. I will eat myself sick on those things. I can't have enough of those things. I think about appetite and I think about, you know, those things that just bring us so much joy. And so, The love of Jesus is that way, man. The love of Jesus is that way. It's like, I just want more. I just want more. I, just, I have a taste. It's so good. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want to ask you a couple of really important questions this morning. Like, what would it look like you, for you to receive Jesus' love right now? Without any reservation, I would say to you that the most powerful, impactful prayer that I've ever prayed for someone, and I've prayed for dozens of people, has been for them to realize the love of Jesus. And I've, I've, yeah, just out of every prayer I've ever prayed, the most powerful one is to realize the love of Jesus. What would it look like for you right now, right where you're at, understanding that God loves the dirt and he kisses the dirt, so the dirty stuff, whatever, whatever, for you to receive God's love? And is there something, now we have to ask the Holy Spirit these questions, and is there something that maybe in you is resisting that? So those are really two very important questions. I'm going to pray, but I want you to ponder those things. What would it look like this morning for you to receive God's love? And then is there a hindrance in you? Maybe it's a disqualification that you've just sort of disqualified yourself. Doesn't count. Maybe you feel like you deserve to be perpetually on the naughty list. I couldn't possibly receive anything this morning. Not true. Not true.